Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining Mike and Tim on LGBTQ plus two SIA is running out of characters and support this Monday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there had a safe and sane weekend. Now, when Miss Glenda walked into the church commons area, her infectious joy filled the room. She had just recovered from a difficult medical procedure. As she approached me for our usual after-church greeting, I thank God for all the times over the years that she's wept with me, gently corrected me, and offered encouragement. She's even asked for forgiveness when she's thought that she hurt my feelings. Whatever the situation, she always invites me to share my struggles honestly and reminds me that we have many reasons to praise God. Mama Glenda, as she lets me call her, wrapped me in a gentle hug. Hi, baby, she said. We enjoyed a short conversation and prayed together. Then she left, humming and singing as always, looking for someone else to bless. In Psalm 64, David boldly approaches God with his complaints and concerns. He voiced his frustrations about the wickedness that he saw around him. He didn't lose confidence in God's power or the reliability of his promises. He knew that one day the righteous will rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. All the upright in heart will glory in him. As we wait for Jesus' return, we'll face tough times, but we'll always have reasons to rejoice in every day God has made. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving and compassionate God. Thank you for giving us so many reasons to rejoice as we celebrate who you are, what you've done, and all you've promised to do. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your Monday. I would go ahead and repeat that long title, but it is definitely a mouthful. They're they're making it harder and harder for us to navigate life and be tolerant. Because the thing about tolerance is that, I mean, we should look at every human being as made by God, that God could use for good. When, when you make it so hard, you know, I mean, obviously we know the, what the three letter acronyms are government. And then you got the other acronyms that are nonprofits and they're, but they're always short yeah. and understandable. And a lot of times they're themed. So it actually goes together with something. Yeah. But, but this whole movement that's trying to like sexualize our whole culture, the, the LGBTQIA plus two, you know, all this, uh, they're, they are running out of characters and they're running out of support, Mike. They are. Because people are kind of sick of of the stuff. I mean, we just you know saw the first city council person in Spokane history that's now left and and sought help somewhere putting the uh, drag queen issue, the drag queen story hour in our public libraries, and there was a lot of tension over it because it's kind of sick and twisted. Yeah, as a matter of fact, there was so much tension, and I remember it. I was there that day at the South Hill Library, and there was a sniper police officer on the roof of the library looking across the street at all the righteous, conservative Christian folks that were not as loud as the others who were advocating for this abomination, if you will, in the parking lot well, of I mean, the obviously, library. So, man, obviously, I'm telling you. They were waiting for what, what would have been viewed in today as uh, today's terms as a cat fight, but really what it was was mostly women on one side of the street, yep. and on the other side of the street, it was mostly men dressed like women. Yeah, absolutely, man. That yeah. I remember that vividly, boy. And, I tell and you. of course, you know, 
we saw the, the the coverage of that unfolding, but there's the the coverage of all this stuff that they want to force upon society and culture. It's costing us a fortune. It's costing us at the checkout line because these corporations have to adopt woke policies that cost them money in their HR departments. It's costing us in the public sector because not only did their emails get longer because they got to you know list their pronouns and everything else in the emails. There's just a lot more administrative costs to catering to people that need attention all the time yeah exactly or our victims all the time yeah and it's not inclusion because they're excluding everyone else so that they Except can themselves uh, yeah and then so then we got training that all of these what a bunch of selfish brats right exactly <laughs> well and that's the, they do it for attention that's the, that's the whole reason why they're doing it and, and so you spend all this money sending government officials off to conferences to learn about how they become inclusive in a gender non-conforming world right right? Yeah. Whatever. And and so people are sick of it everywhere, including in uh, sports leagues. Yes, they are, as a matter of fact. And here's a little story to kind of affirm that, ladies and gentlemen. Here's that headline. NHL team skips Pride Night warm-up jerseys. We support everyone's individual right to respectfully express their beliefs. And here's the story. The New York Rangers hockey team took to the ice for warm-ups before the game on Friday night without the promised rainbow-colored jerseys and stick tape to show deference to the so-called LGBTQ plus 2SIA. So there you go. Your your sports leagues have got to come up with tape and jerseys of uh, special color just for one night. Again, it's like you said, it's costing everybody more money. Yeah, well, and yeah, go ahead and finish the article because there's there's a lot more that is costing us. Oh, you betcha. Now, for the past six seasons, the Rangers have hosted Pride Night Friday at Madison Square Garden, and that tradition continued this year. On January 27th, Michael James Scott, a Broadway star who identifies as gay, performed the national anthem. Andre Thomas, the co-chair of the New York City Pride and Heritage of Pride, participated in the ceremonial pregame puck drop. The arena, especially the Jumbotron, was emblazoned in rainbow colors, and members of the Rangers' blue crew, the people responsible for inciting fan engagement, still carried their rainbow-colored flags. But... The players themselves did not don any gear making reference either by word or by symbol to sexual relationships of any kind. Instead, they wore the reverse retro jerseys, which depict the face of the Statue of Liberty. Now, writers at many news outlets and activists have heavily criticized the Rangers organizations as a result. The New York Rangers failed to explain why they backtrack on a promise. A Daily Mail headline howled. Molly Walker, the New York Post beat writer for the Rangers, complained that the team took an otherwise beautiful celebration of inclusivity and turned it into a slight against members of the LGBT LMNOP community. Well, so the thing about that is, is that, okay, so you have this cost, the jerseys, you've got the stick tape that they want, then you got to have the the rainbow flags for the people parading around the ice, and then you've also got to have government officials that are part of a government program, because every government thing that passes and creates committees and commissions and whatever else it's a government program that our tax dollars fund now this is in new york but all these major cities are doing the same thing so what we're doing is we're saying well this certain group of people we got to have a committee and a commission just for them 
Yeah. The inclusivity commission or whatever they want to call it. Sure. So it costs you money everywhere. And I've got some more things to add to that as soon as the article's finished. Oh, you bet. Now, the organization has not explained its seemingly last minute costume change, though it did issue a statement. Now, our organization respects the LGBT LMNOB community, and we are proud to bring attention to the important local community organizations as part of another great pride night, the statement reaffirmed. In keeping with our organization's core values, we support everyone's individual right to respectfully express their beliefs, it concluded. Some have interpreted the second half of the statement to mean that at least one member of the Rangers organization was planning not to participate. Another NHL team, the Philadelphia Flyers, has had to manage a lot of unwanted attention for nearly two weeks after one team member, defenseman Ivan Povarov, publicly stated that in keeping with the tenets of his Russian Orthodox religion, he would not wear a pride jersey. He says, I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. Well, see, so good for defenseman but, Ivan Povarov. So, so that's... This is an issue of the First Amendment and compelled speech. There's that whole issue of kneeling at the football games and they say, oh, it's all freedom of speech. Well, except if there's a process and there's a platform and you're an employee and you have a contract, they compel you to catch the ball too. Yes. And if you become an animal rights activist, do you want it to be a synthetic pigskin? <laughs> so, so there is certain things that are compelled in the private sector. But when you're compelling speech on social issues like that, saying everybody that's in the NHL has to wear a jersey with the rainbow on it, that's not inclusion. That's forced speech. And so we're all losing freedoms with this inclusivity. Do you know what's inclusive, Mike? What? If you want to go to a hockey game, you watch hockey. That's inclusive because you could be of any creed or gender or religion. You're there for a hockey game. That's right. If you start throwing social issues at this hockey game, like the LGBTQ, I mean, did they do a prayer? Because well, it, it, well, they definitely do the national anthem. Well, sometimes and the article they do. didn't indicate if anybody you know took a knee. Sometimes they do, but so talk about inclusivity. They're excluding so often so much of the population because they focus on a certain group of people. They have Pride Night. We have Pride Month. Do we have Christian Night? Do we have Christian Month? No. Do we have Guys Night? We have Ladies Nights. There's lots of Ladies Nights yeah, out there. there. I, I don't know how they're getting away with that one. You know, but, uh, but oh, you, don't be a misogynist pig, please. But you, <laughs> I mean, the, these franchises obviously are looking for multitudes of ways to try to promote themselves to different groups, and that's what some of this is too. They'll right. they'll cave to it because it you know caves to a different group that they can have some people come there and wear all their rainbow stuff and try to push their gender ideology or whatever it is on culture and the population and they get a few more ticket sales yeah there you go but that's not inclusivity because the people that don't appreciate that agenda may quit going to their games yeah they may so i think in the long run i think these sports teams are starting to see that which is why they allowed a whole entire team to wear a jersey that had the statue of liberty on it instead. (laughs) because i think they're starting to lose support because people realize that this inclusivity is really exclusionary to everyone else yep absolutely man all right folks your next headline here it comes north dakota house approves bill that would make it a crime to have drag shows in front of children in public who would have thought about that i mean public decency laws especially when it comes to in the the viewing of of 
inappropriate things to children. I, I think that that's a good, probably a, a good ethic, a good policy idea that we've always had in this country till 10 seconds ago. Yeah, no kidding. And here's the little byline underneath the headline. LGBTQ advocates believe that the bill discriminates against drag performers. Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. I think what we're doing is we're preserving some moral. Uh, well, I think I, I actually I, I agree with the, the LGBTQIA2 plus number seven, whatever hashtag. I agree. It does discriminate against drag queens. Just like it discriminates against pedophiles. <laughs> I think it, it, it discriminates against uh, pornographers that want to uh, perform in front of children, too. Okay, so, well, when you put it that way, I can see that. Well, I, I discriminate against which shoes I'm going to wear each day, right? <laughs> I pick one and not the other. There are good things that we should not be tolerating. And, yeah, people prancing around in lingerie trying to pretend to be the opposite sex in front of children... It's not part of the learning process. No. And it's not appropriate. And it's not primetime children entertainment either. I would think it gives them nightmares. Yeah, absolutely, man. Anyway, here's a little taste of that story. The North Dakota House on Thursday overwhelmingly. Actually, we, yeah. we, we don't have time for, for the story. We got to take a break. Because, oh, yes, we do. Because the listeners need to come back and listen to what this law is about. Because maybe we should be asking for that law to be passed here and, well, everywhere to protect children. We'll be right back. We want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity and ability to continue the Right Spokane Perspective radio show and podcast programming. We sincerely thank you, Mike Fagan, for your 12 years of dedication to our listeners and guests of the Right Spokane Perspective, and we wish you well in your sabbatical and anticipate hearing from you again from time to time. Listeners, it's because of your support we will continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC. P.O. Box 7620, Spokane, Wa 99207. Thanks again, and back to the show. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim. I hope I get this title right. LGBTQ plus 2 SIA is running out of characters and support this Monday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. All right, folks, here's a little taste of that story. The North Dakota House on Thursday overwhelmingly approved a bill that would make it a crime to perform drag shows and cabaret performances in the presence of children or in public places. The House voted 79 to 13 to advance the bill to the Senate when the Chamber's exchange passes legislation in March. A person who violates the law would be subject to a misdemeanor with a possible sentence of 360 days in prison and a $3,000 fine. Repeat offenders would face felony charges punishable by up to five years in prison and a $10,000 fine. The bill's passage was the first win in the session for socially conservative lawmakers who had proposed several bills to restrict gender expression for LGBTQ residents, the Bismarck Tribune ended up reporting. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, I I saw, I think it was uh, an elected official a few years back, and there was a doctor recently, and you know, someone that inappropriately touches a child, it doesn't have to be anything beyond inappropriate touching and it's a crime mm-hmm. and and we know that in these drag queen events they're trying to get children engaged with that process and so they have children that will actually be drag queened as well cross-dressing and be part of these sexual acts if you will because that's kind of what they're doing i mean some of them are basically doing strip teases dressed as the opposite sex except for their 
doesn't look like the opposite sex. And I would imagine that, you know, in fine, you know, drag queen form or dancing show form, they're probably soliciting the children and the parents that attend for tips. Well, there's some of that that's gone on. And so there is actually physical touch and it's obviously a sexual topic. In in some cases, they're removing pieces of clothing and throwing them into the crowd and oh, the yeah. children are touching underwear, basically. It's obviously inappropriate. It should be considered criminal behavior, just like the sexual exploitation of children in any way uh, should be criminal. And so, yeah, good on them. Yeah. I'm glad they're, they're, I mean, we need that bill passed here. Let's get a copy, <laughs> send it over to the legislature, get on No it. doubt, no doubt. All right, your next headline, folks, you're going to smile about this one too. GOP House bill would stick Congress members with Veterans Health Care Plan to call attention to the failing VA. I don't, you know, and I, I don't think it should just do that. It shouldn't just be where we're passing a bill, and that maybe not even passing a bill, just putting a bill on the table so that uh, as a, what would they say? A threat? <laughs> Probably not even a threat, because if the legislature, if the Congress doesn't pass it, then it's more just a sign of, you know, oh, it's what insurrection. We should be, yeah, a sign of what, what we should be doing if, if they don't pass it, or they should actually do it. Why do Congress members who only serve some, who should only serve for a few terms, right? right? Not a lifetime, but we have veterans that serve for a lifetime. And why shouldn't the Congress have the same health care as they do? Why do, why do we pay a fortune for Congress to have lifetime health care, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not just for their two terms or their three terms or their 17 terms. It's for life that they get this health care. That's right. So it should be a VA health care. If they're a veteran of Congress, they can have the same health care as the veterans of other entities in government. There you go. Here's a little taste of that story, folks. A Republican bill introduced this week would force members of Congress and their staff to get health care from the Department of Veterans Affairs, a change aimed at forcing lawmakers to recognize the longstanding problems with the VA. Now, House and Senate lawmaker staff are required to get their health coverage through Washington, D.C. Health Insurance Exchange created under Obamacare. They get access to gold level plans, which means they pay 20 percent of their health care costs while taxpayers cover the other 80 percent. But under legislation proposed by Warren Davidson, an Army veteran and Republican from Ohio, lawmakers and staff would receive VA care at VA facilities, as if such members and staff were veterans. Davidson says that the point is to make lawmakers more aware of the problems with the VA. Now, providing our veterans with the highest quality care is a bipartisan issue on which nearly all members of Congress agree. Davidson said in a statement to Fox News Digital. The VA is charged with fulfilling our nation's obligation to provide veterans with the health benefits that they have earned. To fulfill that obligation, the VA will require consistent and intentional congressional oversight. Now, if these, so the VA is controlled by Congress, and there's been a lot of problems in the VA, funding for the VA, access to VA, and of course, they've created programs to where people can seek, which they should, I think, you know, when they're talking about specialists or people that live a long ways away from a VA hospital, where they can get authorization to go to a second or third party contractor to the VA system to get their health care. So like you said in the article, it's a bipartisan issue supposedly that both sides talk about the VA health care and issues they're having with it. Mike, I've never heard about congressional members complaining about their health care (laughs) coverage. No, you don't. They solved that one, didn't they? Yeah, you bet. They didn't have any problems making sure the Congress 
Congress had adequate access to uh, quality, high high quality health care. So why can't they do it for the VA? Yeah, well, you kind of strange. Well, I'll tell you, you know, there is definitely some issues over at the VA. And, you know, at this particular point, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you, traditionally, I have my annual physical and annual one year re-up on my medications in January. Okay. So I get into my little kitchen cabinet there where I have my meds stored and I break out my med bottle and it looks like I'm down to seven days and I haven't heard from the VA about my annual appointment. Wow. And that's normally when I go in to, you know, report any other issues that I may have encountered over the last year. I go in for the annual physical. uh, They do the lab work, the whole thing. And then they issue me a one year prescription for my meds. Okay. And uh, then it's hands off. And I normally, if I stay healthy, I don't have to go see them until next January. Right. Well, I get down to one week's worth of meds, knowing that it's about seven to 10 days in the mail to get my meds. I call the VA. Aside from having to wait forever, I finally, you know, hung in there. All right. I get through to start talking to somebody and I explain, hey, look, January is my traditional month. Haven't heard anything from you. I'm about I'm about running out of meds. What am I going to do? They then get into the system and tell me that my appointment has been scheduled for April. April of this year. Wow. And I scratch my head and I happen to comment to the person on the other end of the phone. When were you guys going to tell me this? And oh, by the way, yeah. you remember what I just got done telling you. When I go in for the annual physical, I go in for the annual re-up on medications right they can, well because they prescribe you the medications and then when you need them you can go get them and it's a annual renewal for meds that's uh, right and you can get them at the va pharmacy right that's correct okay but in this but particular not, not, case not if the doctors haven't done a physical and signed off on it yet though right <laughs> that is correct okay and not if they haven't scheduled your appointment okay and it took me to call one week before i ran out of meds to find out that my appointment was three to four months down the road. Well, and I think that's a a little bit of a medical complication too, because what if uh, your medication dosage needs to change because of things that have changed over the last year and you don't have an appointment for another four months? Exactly. That's exactly what I meant by, you know, this is the opportunity for me to explain to the doctor or complain to the doctor about any other medical issues that sprung up during the last year. So Uh, now do you have to make an appointment just to get them to uh, write prescription again? uh, can, no, I was able to deal with it over, over the, the telephone. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, the person on the other end of the phone saw the wisdom of my words. Okay. I was being real nice and courteous. Well, and, and, <laughs> and probably could formulate some basic math on a, on a calendar. Exactly. And uh, went ahead and uh, it, they are working on expediting my appointment, but I did get my meds refilled. The point I'm trying to make here, ladies and gentlemen, is the VA medical system isn't all that <laughs> that is cracked up to be here. They've definitely got some scheduling issues by virtue of this hundred million or hundred billion dollar software contract. Oh yeah, uh, that they've got out there. Yeah, yeah, it was huge. huge. And this software is not working. It doesn't interface with other software programs that the VA system has got to interface with, and it's it's just ugly right it's now. It's a big tech mess. Uh, yes, big tech mess for sure. So. I'm glad this particular bill is not only going to be bringing some of the attention 
to the failing VA medical system, but it is going to give the taste or give a taste of what it is that we veterans have to go through in a medical system to our Congress critters and their staffers. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, (laughs) thinking about your VA visit and if uh, folks listen to the show, Mike's coming out of the closet a week or so ago, this is going to be your last show for a little while. Yes, it is. It is. Because, uh, you know, as we explained uh, a week ago Tuesday, you know, we basically have neglected some medical and dental issues. I've got to go on a bit of a sabbatical here to get some things squared away. And, you know, it's my understanding, Tim, that I'm going to have to retrain my mouth uh, after I get all my teeth taken out so that I can adequately enunciate words and speak again. There is going to be a several month time period where, you know, we'll have the teeth ripped out. It will have to go through the healing. Then we'll get fitted for the dentures and then we'll have now, to. Now, you did say that uh, if I needed a little bit of help, you know, I had a guest host call in sick or something that you'd come in. But I know that during that time frame where you're working on speech and, and getting comfortable talking and saying certain words without them coming out wrong. Uh, <laughs> I may have to talk a little weird. Right. Yeah. So. So we're going to try to make sure those guest hosts uh, don't call in until, <laughs> until you're done, at least with that part of the your healthcare uh, oh, you bet. process and the journey you're going to be on here over the next little while. That's right. You bet. And like you said, for the next little while. We're not uh, down and out forever. We're just down for the moment. Uh, you know, thinking about you not being on radio next week, I've got a whole lot of uh, more work I've got to do because I've got to hit that city council more often. You know, we have laid off city council a little bit lately on this show because for for a while they weren't really doing no. all that much. No, as a matter of fact, they weren't. And, you know, when they were active and doing stuff, it was during the COVID time period it where was. there was no public at all invited to the chambers because of the restrictions well and it sounds like their restrictions is inviting a lot less public as well so so now i'm gonna have to actually log on and watch the (laughs) city council meetings so that i can see what happened because apparently we're gonna have to use social media and talk with friends and community leaders about what our government's doing to us because they don't want to hear from us yeah no doubt. I mean, it's very, very evident that the uh, council doesn't want to hear from you, especially since, you know, we ended up reading that particular email that came in from a loyal listener about the rules of procedure Yeah, them that talking the council about, ended up changing. Yeah, and I, and I don't know you if know? that passed or not. I'm going to have to look into the rules. I'll, I'll be doing that hopefully this week because, yeah, to, to limit the amount of speakers, to, to limit what the speakers can speak on, and then to reduce the amount of time from that three they, minutes yeah. to two minutes. Isn't that something? I mean, that they're did that over in Olympia already. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Reducing that's time why for the public to yeah. speak. And that's why I think that you were definitely on when we were going through that list of bills. You know, some of those bills there were very, very similar to the tenant landlord ordinance mm-hmm. that the city council was getting ready to pass here the end of February. That's right. Well, that's why we're going to have to reach out and get a hold of our lawmakers and be more proactive because we can't just show up to a meeting because they're cutting off public forums. They're cutting off how many people can speak on a legislative item. We need better representation, and I don't think we're going to get it if they're not listening to us. Oh, you bet. So, you know, as Mike Fagan gets ready to exit stage left and head out the door for a sabbatical, if you will, 
It would be greatly appreciated, ladies and gentlemen, for all of you that are capable of doing it, if you can provide a donation to the Right Spokane Perspective to keep the lights on, keep the equipment running. Folks, please make your most generous check out to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, P.O. Box 7620, Spokane 99207. Keep those donations coming in. Basically, all you're doing is changing the payee line from Fagan LLC to Right Spokane Perspective LLC. We're going to retain uh, the same P.O. box and things like that to keep it simple. Yep. Keep this show going. Uh, we want to continue the coverage on local issues. Keep information flowing to you, the listeners, so that you can be informed and know when to act on legislation like we've uh, told you about this last week and getting a hold of your representatives. And we also will be active when uh, the government wants to reelect or replace representatives, we're going to be having them in for you know those interviews where we're going to be asking them the tough questions on how they would operate our local government if reelected or elected. You bet. All of that being said, Mike and Tim are out of here today. We'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow. Bye-bye.